a basketball coach leads his team to an undefeated season until his players let their grades slip. Special guest Eli Noah joins us to chat about genetics in high school sports, Dennis Rodman releasing hostages, and how life isn't like a three-pointer. Then we find out if Coach Carter stands the test of time. James and Allen have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? James says gladiator with the blood Allen says as a father blah blah It's the test of time James and Allen have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Test of time James and Allen have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of The Test of Time. It is November. We are doing listener requests, and we have a very special listener request with us here tonight. My name is Alan Noah, and I am joined by not just you, James Brief, although you're here too. Hi, James. Hello, everyone. This is James Brief. I'm so excited to be here with some guests. No, just one guest. Well, one guest physically here, other guests that are joining us this entire weekend, Al. Right, we will talk about that. But first, our guest here in the room with us is my son, Eli Noah. Welcome back to the show, Eli. Hi. <laughs> that, that's all we got? Wow, it's it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I really hated those guys that would come in high school and, you know, an assembly and, you know, they'd say, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Oh, man, we could do better than that. So I'm not going to ask you to do better than that. That's the high you want to give us. That's the high you're going to give us. All right. Fine. Well, Eli, I'm really glad that you're here to talk about Coach Carter with us. But before we get into Coach Carter, I do have to mention, as you alluded to earlier, James, it's Nick's Marathon Weekend. Woohoo! That's right. So this episode, we're recording it a few days in advance, but this episode will come out on November 10th, early in the morning. But at 8 p.m. Eastern on November 10th, we kick off Nick's Marathon. And Nick's Marathon, for anyone who hasn't heard us give the spiel before, it's our charity that we run. We play video games for 48 straight hours. We live stream everything. You can watch us at nicksmarathon.org. And you can chat with us. You can say hi. You can make a tax-deductible donation. We are a 501c3, so you get a little uh, tax write-off if that's a motivating factor for you. And the money that you give us, we use to help out kids in need. We are buying lots and lots of video games this year for not just one Ronald McDonald house, but three Ronald McDonald houses. They need video games. The Ronald McDonald House in Queens, the one in Manhattan, and the, the Greater Hudson Valley Ronald McDonald House are all getting a slew of new video games thanks to generous donors like you. If you're listening to this episode, by the way, far into the future, well past November 2023, that's okay. You can still go to nixmarathon.org and you can still make a donation through PayPal or Venmo. We also accept checks if you like to donate in ways that don't stand the test of time. That's okay, too. But uh, Eli, you're going to be with us for all of Nick's Marathon Weekend, right? The entire weekend, yeah. Okay, so people can go to nicksmarathon.org. They can see old dudes like me and James, but they can also see kids like you playing, I'm guessing, Fortnite. Yeah, I will mostly be playing in the morning if you want to see me. Okay, why, why do you think the morning? Because I'm always the first one up. This is true, but even if you're staying up super late, you think you'll still get up early? Yeah, because I'm always the first one to bed. Okay. Early morning, fortnights, 
with Eli Noah. Tune in, nixmarathon.org, and uh, you can watch all of us play video games this weekend. Nice. I'm very excited for Nix Marathon, as always, because it's a great opportunity to raise some money, and we do it all in memory of my friend Nicholas Capabianco, who passed away. And it's a great opportunity to hang out with friends and... You know, now the younger generation is there and kind of uh, getting involved and doing a lot of the video games so us old dudes can sleep. Thank you for that. You're welcome. (laughs) All right. Well, enough of Nick's Marathon. Let's talk about Coach Carter. I got to admit, when you said that you wanted to come on the podcast to talk about Coach Carter, I was surprised just because this isn't like a movie that we've watched a million times or even a movie that I knew that you had watched or that I knew that you cared about. So why did you want to talk about Coach Carter? Um, I wanted to talk about it because I think it's probably one of the best basketball theme movies like ever. Okay. How many other basketball themed movies have you watched? I've watched the sequel to White Man Can't Jump, the new one. I don't think that's a sequel. I think that was just a remake. A remake, yeah. Reboot or whatever. And you didn't like that? It was all right. I mean, I haven't watched the original one, but I think that the original one was probably better. We should watch that one night. Have you seen any uh, Golden Retriever-based basketball films, uh, such as the Air Bud franchise? No, I've never seen any. I don't even think I've seen like any dog-themed movies ever. That can't be right. Really? I don't think so. I'm sure that that's wrong, but I can't think of a single example of one that you have seen. So, okay, maybe we'll have to circle back on that. I'm also trying to think of just other basketball movies. I can't really think of any any others that you and I have watched together. I've been saying forever that we should watch uh, Major League I also want to watch um, The Naked Gun, colon, from the Files of Police Squad with you, because there's a lot of baseball in that. But you've you've sort of moved away from baseball and towards basketball over the past year, right? Yeah. There's a couple other uh, basketball films we could do. Uh, eventually, we might do Hoosiers. Sure, yeah. Uh, semi-pro. And there's a film that I remember liking but it could be awful it's a kevin bacon film called the air up there that sounds vaguely familiar i don't think i've ever seen that also though we have watched space jam and space jam colon a new legacy those are technically basketball related movies i think that the first space jam was much much better than the second one the second one was so boring i agree with you And I didn't like the first one all that much. (laughs) Like, the second one was really, really pretty damn terrible. The first one is a... a, It's a somewhat charming children's film. The second one is a cartoon. That's not that charming. Yeah, I mean, the the good thing about Space Jam was that Michael Jordan was always, like, a real person. He never turned into a cartoon. And in Space Jam 2 think he like shifted from like cartoon to real life and yeah it wasn't really that great um there's one film i've never seen and i've always wanted to we'll eventually see hoop dreams okay and so james i asked you last week you said you hadn't seen coach carter i had never seen it until you and i watched it the other night eli but you had watched it on your own like sometime before that yeah the first time i was running on the treadmill and i was looking for a movie to play and I, I think I was looking at like some basketball movies and I saw Coach Carter, so I just picked it. Okay. All right. 
So, James, why don't you tell our listeners what this movie is about for anyone who hasn't seen it? So this film is about Ken Carter, played by Samuel L. Jackson, who's a former basketball star who now returns to his old high school in Richmond, California to coach their basketball team. Coach Carter implements some tough rules requiring excellence both on and off the basketball court. But when the students break their contract and their grades begin to slip, Carter locks them out of their gym and shuts down their season. He's criticized by their players and their parents, but Carter holds his ground, determined to prove that these young men can succeed, not just in basketball, but in life. All right, so this movie came out in 2005. I genuinely don't think I knew that it existed, which is weird. I didn't hear about it, so I'm guessing that it wasn't a massive box office smash, or am I wrong about that? Well, um, it, it did pretty well. It, it opened on January 14th, 2005, and it opened number one with $24 million, uh, $29 million over the long uh, MLK weekend. It ended with $67 million, so a very front-loaded film, and uh, mostly uh, from the USA. The only data I had that it, it made another like $10 million worldwide. Okay. Um, so I've seen data around $30 million, which sounds about right. You know, 2005, Samuel Jackson's certainly getting millions uh, himself. Um, $30 million for the budget. Uh, $30 million for the budget. All right. So when the movie starts, one of the first things you see in the credits is that this is an MTV film. And I wanted to ask you, Eli, what that means to you, if anything. You know how Disney Channel has like those Disney Channel movies? That's what I kind of thought it was. Okay. So so a Disney movie means it's going to be what? More like family friendly? Well, Disney Channel was more like generated towards teens and stuff like that. So it wasn't exactly super family friendly, but, you know, maybe they cursed once or twice, but nothing too bad. Right, like when Disney comes out with a movie, Pirates of the Caribbean from Walt Disney, that is a high-quality film. However, when you said a Disney Channel film, does that mean lower quality? Yeah, Disney Channel means like just like a movie that they produced in like a year or something that probably didn't take a lot of effort. Okay, probably the equivalent of what we used to call like direct-to-DVD or direct-to-video, but I believe that MTV Films was, uh, maybe it was uh, had something to do with MTV, but it was just a film production company that was just run by Viacom's umbrella company. I think so. So Disney means family-friendly. What does an MTV movie mean? What does MTV represent to you? Um, I mean, I've never really watched MTV. I have no idea. Okay, so just the fact that you see the astronaut guy and it says MTV Films, that doesn't make you think of anything, really, one way or the other? Yeah, it doesn't ring a bell. Okay. When I see MTV Films, what I think is this is a movie made for teenagers and people in their early 20s. And seeing that it's an MTV film, that makes me think that this is a movie that's really going to be more about the kids. And... Kinda is and it kinda isn't because the movie is called Coach Carter and he is the adult, obviously, and he is the main character and Samuel L. Jackson is the biggest name in this movie and the story is really told from his point of view. But I wanted to ask you, Eli, as a kid, as a young person, who did you most relate to, identify with, like, is it Coach Carter? Is it some of the kids? One kid? A bunch of them? 
I think that Worm was the best. Okay. Because, you know, I mean, he has, like, a bald head, which I thought was kind of funny. And <laughs> okay. when he tries to, like, pick up girls, like, they all just, like, shake him off. I thought that was pretty funny, too. Okay. And you still liked Coach Carter himself? Yeah. Okay, but you were, you were kind of more interested in the kids and their stories versus Coach Carter? Yeah. All right. Coach Carter is a very strict coach, right? With, uh, you know, his academic requirements and also just what he puts the kids through physically on the basketball court. You have played for many different coaches, mostly for baseball. Have you ever had a coach that was this tough on you? No, I mean, suicides is probably the main workout that they do do in basketball, but especially like as punishments when he said like, a hundred suicides and like 500 push-ups. That's so much to do. Yeah, the numbers that he was throwing out for suicides and push-ups. And yeah, sometimes it's like meant to be extreme. When Timo quits the team and then he's going to come back on, he gives him uh, an outrageously high number of, uh, I think, a thousand suicides and maybe 5,000 push-ups or something like that. And it's like, how the hell is anyone going to keep count? He has like an assistant who's sort of helping with the count, but these numbers are so high. And then even just for regular workouts, if you show up late, it's like a hundred suicides. This is crazy. Every time he gave a number for suicides or push-ups, I was like, damn, that's a lot. That is a lot. And you know, it, it really fascinates me, uh, the, the idea of high school sports, because High school sports are basically whatever athletes are in that neighborhood, your zip code. And when there are high schools that have football dynasties or or any sport dynasties, I find that fascinating. And it's usually coaching because it's not like the genetics of this town are so much superior than the rival town across the the river. Right. So I really respect uh, uh, sports that were coaching really, really plays a role there. He was saying things like, it's not about uh, shooting basketballs. We're going to be in better condition than the other team. So uh, we're going to do better. Because he, he correctly makes plays uh, and ideas like, ah, they're too tired now. So we're going to make this play and, and outsmart them. You know, you stuck with the program. He made you better. And Coach Carter, he was not mean. He was uh, he was tough. Right. Eli, as you were talking about the, the sports movies that you've seen and ones that you haven't seen, something that I've noticed having watched, you know, a bunch for this podcast is that sometimes the sports in these sports movies is not great. Probably the most recent movie that we did that was sports-related was Slapshot, which was about hockey. And the hockey in that movie was really tough to follow. It was made in the 70s, and the technology that they used to, to film those scenes wasn't quite what we would expect today. But I felt like the basketball in this movie was easy to follow, easy to understand what was happening on the court. It was easy to understand what Coach Carter was teaching the kids. I felt like it was exciting. I felt like the basketball scenes were really, really well directed. What did you think of that, Eli? Yeah, I thought it was really, like, really easy to follow because it would mostly just show the score and they would always shoot three pointers. Like, they yeah. they would never do, like, a mid range shot. It was just either, like, a three pointer or a dunk. Those were the two shots. 
that they would shoot, and that's like the most recognizable shots. Right, right. I don't know a ton of basketball. I don't follow it that closely, but you could still just get what the plays were and what he was trying to accomplish and what the kids were doing and when they were playing really well and when they were playing well, but they weren't doing what Coach Carter wanted and he was still kind of ticked off anyway because they weren't passing the ball around as much. You know, I just felt like it was easy to understand what was going on, even if you're not fluent in the language of basketball. Right. Uh, There were some great plays where uh, you saw all the players doing their role. Because I was fascinated as a kid with uh, this one player, Dennis Rodman. And Have you ever heard of Dennis Rodman? Yeah. Uh, Eli? Well, let me ask you, what do you know about Dennis Rodman? Uh, he played with the Chicago Bulls and he got them three championships, right? Right. Uh, do you know anything specifically about his basketball playing or uh, anything about him off the court? Well, I know that he was like really crazy off the court. He had like a buzz cut and he would like dress up as like a girl and stuff wasn't like his role in basketball like he got like a lot of rebounds and stuff you're right about everything he was well known as kind of being an eccentric personality i don't know if you know this but he's probably the single closest american to the dictator of North Korea, Kim Jong-un. It's very strange, but if there's ever going to be an American that's going to be hostage, and our best chance of getting that person freed is Dennis Rodman making a phone call to Kim Jong-un. He's met with him before, uh, because Kim Jong-un is a big fan of that uh, basketball era. But I, I bring up Dennis Rodman because... As a kid, he was the first person that I was always uh, that I ever found out. It was more than the points; it was about rebounds. Uh, you know, the first thing you look at is how many points did they score? How many points did Jordan score? Oh, Jordan's better than Pippen because he had more points. And you later learn, just like in football, yeah, you know, there's certain people that are never getting an interception. All they do is one specific thing, and they do it really well. And in this film, I agree with you, Al. You got to see things, not just the shooting. Everyone knows shooting. I love this one scene where you got to see the entire play of five guys Two of them, it was a pick and roll, and then two guys were in the way, so the prep school guy couldn't get a shot on the guy under the hoop, and he gets to make the the layup. And it was it's a perfectly well-played play. He called it, like, Linda or something. It's a coach that you just say one word, they know exactly where to go, they know where all the other four guys are going to be, and I, I found that really well done. Yes. I also wanted to talk to you, Eli, about the party scene, because when we were watching that, you kind of turned to me and said, what would you do if that was me? And then I said, well, what would you do if that was me? And then we didn't answer it because I wanted us to have this conversation on the podcast. But the team, they win a big game and then they're supposed to be in their room celebrating, but they go out to a party. And then, of course, inevitably, Coach Carter comes and breaks it up and they all get in trouble, but especially his kid. So what was going through your mind watching that scene with your dad? Well, I don't think you'd be mad at me if I went to a party, but if I went to like a party without you knowing, I was like drinking and stuff, you would be so mad at me. That's probably fair. I did think that that was one of the times in the movie when I was like, Coach Carter, shut up. Like, lighten up a little bit. Like, the kids deserved to go out and party and have a night to be kids. And they really weren't doing anything that bad at the party. They're drinking more than they should, you know, because they're underage. 
but they're not doing anything horrifically terrible. The one thing I really liked about that scene was I thought, oh, Coach Carter's going to go and he's going to be the adult who ends the party for everyone and everyone's going to be mad at Coach Carter. And that's not what happens. Coach Carter rolls up at the same time as the parents of the girl who's throwing the party. So even if Coach Carter hadn't showed up, that party was ending anyway. And I like that. I like that they didn't make him just the bad guy, because uh, that, that was where I thought it was going to go. You know, I agree with you that they purposely don't do anything too stupid. Uh, I mean, they being the, the teenagers. I thought it was going to go a bunch of places. I was thinking it was going to be a fight between the local basketball teams. Because I think the girl that invites them, she's from the rival basketball team. Yeah. So I thought there was going to be that. You know, something with drinking or someone might overdrink. And at one point, someone destroys a, a lamp in their house. And the girl, I thought she's going to get all mad. She goes, nah, who cares? It doesn't matter. So... I like that the party was actually more realistic. You did not see anyone, you know, looking cool by drinking and driving. I, I agree with you all. They were kind of good kids and they were letting off some steam and yeah. they snuck out of the hotel. That wasn't so bad. And in the end, they seemed to have been relatively responsible uh, teenagers for what they were doing. Yeah, I was thinking uh, something that you had said in there was going to happen at the party where the kids from the basketball team that they beat were going to show up and then there was going to be a fight because maybe one of the the kids from Richmond, uh, you know, Coach Carter's team, maybe they were getting a little too flirty with one of their girlfriends or something like that. And that would have been a cliche. Maybe it's because it's an MTV film, but this movie doesn't ever really get particularly preachy with the stuff that the kids are doing. There is a character played by Ashanti, uh, who I worked with. Eli was not at all impressed when I told him that. Uh, I worked with her at Fuse, but um, she's pregnant. There's a teen pregnancy in this movie. And the movie doesn't treat that as like, some awful, terrible thing, which it might be if it was a Disney Channel movie, you know, where there would be more of a, a lesson about the evils of underage sex. This movie is more just like, it's a thing. It happens. Even Timo, who is dealing drugs when he's not on the basketball team, the movie shows you why that's dangerous, but there's not like a really sappy, sentimental thing where Coach Carter says, kids, drugs are bad. It's not condescending, you know, in the way that some movies about teens can be. Yeah, I mean, I'm used to, yeah, some of that cliche stuff in movies, especially with, like, drugs and stuff like that. Right, right. And I appreciated this movie that it included underage drinking and underage sex and all of these things, but it's not about that, really. It's not, you know, wagging its finger at the audience telling you, don't do this, you should do that, you shouldn't do this. It's not preachy. Yeah, and I actually was dreading the overly metaphorical preachiness that I thought was coming because Coach Carter starts the first day with these basketball players saying, everything in life you need is, uh, you'll learn here in basketball. If you succeed in the basketball court, you'll succeed in life. I was really hoping there were no specific metaphors about the foul line. Life is all about the three-point line. No, no, I was really <laughs> hoping it was going to be any of that stuff. The drama, when it comes down to it, 
it's very mild. It's the fact that the, this guy said, you know, you're student athletes and you have to maintain a C plus average. You know, it's, it's a 2.3. The stakes aren't too high here. I was thinking there was also going to be the gang members. I was like, oh, one of these guys is getting killed. And then the last game was going to be in his memory. No, that didn't happen. Someone did die, but uh, it wasn't one of the basketball players. And I, I guess I just kind of like that that the lessons were basically... Look, if you're able to do this program, which really isn't that hard when you think about it, it's kind of basic life discipline, then you'll be able to succeed anywhere else. You know, this guy was able to make them actually succeed. Right, right. Let me ask you, Eli, because I I wanted to get your sense on what did you think about Coach Carter's whole thing with academics being just as or more important than athletics? Yeah, I thought that that was a good thing, especially with this whole thing about college. And at the end of the movie, you see where like all of them went and all of them were successful. I don't know how true that is. So I did a little bit of research on that. A lot of the nuts and bolts of this movie and who Coach Carter was and the contracts and the emphasis on academics, that's all real. And it did get media attention, which you see in the movie. That's why this movie exists, because someone saw this news story and said, hey, we should make a movie out of that. And they did. The one thing that's not accurate from real life is the kids. Other than Coach Carter's son, Damien, who is a real kid in real life, and he did, in fact, break all of his dad's Richmond records, his basketball records, all of the other kids are made up. They're fictional because they didn't want to embarrass real kids. They didn't want to imply that this kid was dealing drugs and that kid had a girlfriend who was pregnant. So every other kid other than Damien is fictional. But in real life, every kid that uh, Coach Carter coached graduated from high school. One thing that I thought was fascinating and it's not in the movie, the real Coach Carter, in his contract, he had a stipulation that if one of the kids was accepted to a college and did not get a scholarship, academic or sports, he would pay for that kid's tuition. Which makes sense because, you know, when you think about it, a contract usually is a give and a take, right? You agree to do this thing and I agree to do this thing. In the movie, it's pretty much just what the kids agree to do. But in real life, he had that stipulation and he never had to pay a dime for tuition because all of his kids in real life went to college with scholarships, which is amazing. I feel like they, they kind of could have put that in the movie because that's really cool. They should have included that. You're right. That's that's really cool about him. Uh, the education is it's the opportunity. Coach yeah. Carter gave all those kids a shot. You know, I guess there's your basketball metaphor. And certainly any Ooh. kid that went to college, they have, you know, they have a shot at anything they want. Right, right. At the end of the movie, they do that thing where they put text on screen and tell you what happened to all of the characters. And what happens to Coach Carter and his son Damien, those are real facts. You know, his son Damien did go to West Point and uh, had a career, uh, I believe, in the military. But then they also tell you what happened to all of these other fictional characters and it's kind of confusing because plenty of movies do that where they tell you what happened to these fictional characters and it's fiction and sometimes they do that with characters who are based on real people but to do both in one movie 
is confusing and weird because you don't know that when you watch the movie. I only know that because I was looking it up online today. I will say there was something weird in this film. The opening credits, it splices between Samuel Jackson's character in like a rough inner city school and then this like superstar kid that I believe later you find out is the kid from St. Francis Prep, right? That is like the next LeBron James. Yeah. And it's weird because he's in the opening credits and you don't see this kid until the end of the film, and he has a very small part. I mean, it's a significant part, I guess, but I found that weird that he was the emphasis of the opening uh, the, the opening credits. I think that was maybe just um, his role as air quotes nemesis got reduced in edits along the way because, yeah, he kind of shows up as the quote-unquote bad guy at the end, but it's not like you were following his story throughout the whole movie. Well, let me ask you, Eli, as our very special guest, do you think that Coach Carter stands the test of time? I think that it does because, you know, I'm pretty young and I thought that it appealed to me. It was made in 2005, which is pretty recent in the 2000s. Yeah. And, yeah, you don't have to get old school basketball or anything like that. You just have to know a little bit about basketball to get the movie. So I think that, yes, it stands the test of time. Okay. James, what do you think? I think it stands the test of time uh, because it's a sports film that it flirts with doing uh, with being on the bad side of some sports cliches, but it never crosses them. I do like the Rocky ending because I think it is appropriate that they make it to the championships, but they don't win. I don't think it's about winning. I love, 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 love. They're talking about how their big goal is to get the state, and he goes, yeah, who won state last year? And the thing is, no one knows who won, except the people that won state and maybe the people that lost state. And uh, I really like that uh, Carter saw that, that, yeah, he's going to make you winners, but that doesn't mean champions. Um, it's Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, there are other actors that could probably pull this off, but you need that Samuel L. Jackson gravitas that when he says to that uh, player on the first day, leave the gym before I make you leave the gym, he's shaft. I mean, he's so cool. He's so tough. Like, you don't mess with him. I think it's wonderful casting. Um, I'd say the movie's a little bit longer than it has to be. They could probably cut some of the bad and forth about if their grades are good or not. Yeah. Um, I don't think the Damien character to me is that important. Uh, honestly, I kept wondering where he fits in the film. Um, he seems to be an outlier because he's uh, he's always wearing sweaters. He's from a, like a prep school that he leaves, and you know he he leaves a, a champion and he comes to this school champion. You know he wasn't as interesting as the other characters. I think the film does exactly what it's meant to do. Is it the greatest sports film of all time? No. I think it's a little more serious than fun, but I think that's what Ken Carter was. He was more serious than fun. So it does stand the test of time for me, Al. Al, what do you think? Does 2005's Coach Carter stand the test of time? Yes, I think it does. I mean, what about it does not stand the test of time. Really, the only thing that I could kind of nitpick is that when Ashanti is warming up the baby bottle for her, I think it's nephew, uh, she puts the bottle in the microwave. 
I mean, that is a big no-no. They told us to not do that. You microwave water and then you put the bottle in the hot water, but you don't microwave the formula or the breast milk because then it the amino acids deteriorate or something like that? Well, you're exactly right. I did totally notice that. Um, microwaves also don't um, heat evenly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ashanti, you should know better. I'm, Not Ashanti, Ashanti's character. That's right, that's right. Uh, Ashanti in real life is a lovely person, by the way. A fellow Long Islander, for whatever that's worth. You know, one thing that really does stand the test of time is when there's the controversy about the lockout and it's a school board meeting where the townspeople are all screaming at the board members. That unfortunately stands the test of time in a very disturbing way. And in real life, it's awful when that's happening now. Uh, you kind of get the sense that that didn't always happen in this town, that this was a special situation where all the townspeople were uh, screaming at the board meeting. But that that kind of felt icky from a test of time perspective. Um, One other... I guess, criticism of the movie when you were saying about Damien and he kind of doesn't really have an arc. Coach Carter doesn't really have much of an arc in this movie. He starts off as the pure protagonist who knows what's right and what's wrong. And he has a little bit of a crisis of faith in the middle that he very quickly gets over. His journey is pretty much a flat line, but it's not really about that. It's more about the kids that he teaches and inspires. So that's fine. And just one other completely random thought. I know you don't have Apple TV, James, and I know, Eli, you haven't watched Ted Lasso. That show is based on the Richmond Football Club. So they're always talking about Let's Go Richmond. And in this movie, they're talking about Let's Go Richmond. So, you know, that's just a meaningless random thing that, uh, you know, in Ted Lasso, it's fiction. In this movie, it's based on a real city. Whatever. I, I just think that Ted Lasso is very popular, so if this movie came out now, maybe they would change the name, or maybe not, and people would get over it. Um, but yes, I think this movie definitely stands the test of time. It works. It works every bit uh, now as much as it did in 2005. So great pick, Eli. This was a, a good choice. Way to go. Thank you. Well, thank you. So this is actually your fifth time on the podcast as Eli Noah, not, you know, those couple times you showed up when we were calling you Fred Weasley, I believe. Yeah, thanks. So. I don't I don't remember. Yeah, so you joined us for UHF. What were the other ones? Do you remember? UHF, Bad News Bears, mm-hmm. and then War Games? Yep, War, War Games. Games. And then the movie about a kid who is getting bar mitzvahed, or who, who is becoming oh, a bar mitzvah. Oh, yeah, uh... I don't know what that movie is called. Keeping Up With The Signs. Keeping Up With The Signs. So this marks your fifth time on the podcast. And Eli, I don't know if you know this, but we have a little tradition around here. When you are on the podcast five times, you get a very special gift. A PS5. (laughs) Nice try. It is not a PS5. It is this. A hoodie that says the Five Timers Club. Yay! Welcome to the Five Timers Club. Way to go. And as the person who does your laundry, I know that you love wearing hoodies, even in the summer. On the hottest day of the year, you will wear a hoodie. And now you have a nice new hoodie to wear. Yippee. (laughs) Welcome to being a teenager, Eli. Yeah, I know. All the one-word answers. It's uh, just teenage life. Um, Also, just as a 
programming behind the scenes note. Eli has been asking me all day, where's my hoodie? Am I getting a hoodie? I want my hoodie tonight. I'm getting a hoodie tonight, right? Yes, of course you're getting a hoodie. Can you imagine somebody not getting a Five Timers Club hoodie for a family member when they joined the Five Timers Club? Can you imagine that, Eli? Well, I was there when that happened. Yes, that's right. That's right. But that's because James forgot. I wasn't gonna forget. Well, it was all a setup so that I could establish Joanna, my sister, becoming the member and the only member of the Six Timers Club uh, for the test of time. Yes, but that's only because that is not a thing at all. Eli, thank you again for joining us. You're welcome. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, we have another listener request. We're going to be talking about the Cannonball Run. This is another Burt Reynolds car movie. I've never seen it, but I'm looking forward to talking about that movie. In the meantime, everyone, please talk to us. We are at Testing Time Pod on Facebook, X, Instagram, Threads. Let us know what you think about Coach Carter, about basketball movies, about grade requirements. And uh, we will see you next time, everybody. Bye. Bye.